Greetings, Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics regarding combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake Sir Alex. and Sir Dan. And welcome to another episode of Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two of the three guests on here today are going to talk a lot of hearthstone <laughs> no just kidding but uh yeah we have noah i guess i didn't get your last name noah i am uh, noah salloway uh, thanks for having me yeah so we put a call out alex and jake put a call out for the person that ran the aoa deck at albany and ran it to where, where'd you finish again noah uh top four top four aoa let's go i uh I have a very soft spot for AOA in my heart. I I love me some AOA. I love me some Jenka. I played a lot of Jenka. And maybe one of my best decks is an AOA deck with Triple Ronnie, Triple Exum, the Oppenheimer. Oh, that's gross. So much oft talked about and podcasted about Oppenheimer. But yeah, so we have Noah on today, and joining us in the third seat is Alex. Say hello, Alex. Hello, Alex. Hey, you're back on that train. Good job. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Gotta do it. Gotta. <laughs> Yep, so we are Jakeless today, but that's the beauty of three hosts. We can rotate in and out as needed. Um, and we're just going to be talking to Noah today, kind of about his VT Albany experience, kind of his survival strategy, and just, um, yeah, just how it went for him. Uh, before we go any further, a few announcements. Uh, the league is in the single limb stages. I, I think I made that announcement. Try to get those games in when he can. I guess it's early February, and I kind of said mid-February. So yeah, I'll start developing the third or the next season of the league. So people that want to sign up, uh, be watching their Twitter and the Discord for the new signups for the new leagues. I think I'll leave them in time zone format. That seemed to work pretty well. Um, this league didn't fire off incredibly well, but that was mainly, I think, due to being through November and December, which are... Yeah, the holiday blues. Yeah, holiday season. So next league will be starting up probably mid to end of February. And the last league should be wrapping up around the same time. I don't like them to overlap too much, but at the same time, things. Just got to gotta go at some point. All right, Noah. Yes. Tell us about yourself. What's your gaming background? I guess I've been playing video games my whole life, but I got into board games like, let's say, 10 years ago. Uh, playing a lot of Euro games, got into it with like Catan, and then went to the game store and they told me some other stuff, and I haven't played Catan since then. That is like the that is great. the intro. <laughs> yeah, that's a great choice to not play Catan. Yeah, that's <laughs> one of my hey. least favorite board games. Oh my yeah. goodness, I played so much of that in college. We were trading futures. We were degenerates. <laughs> like, yeah. we wouldn't even trade resources we had on hand. We'd be trading. Well, the next wheat I get is yours if I can have. Oh God, oh man, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely was a good time while we were playing. It. But then I went to like Puerto Rico and Agricola, and I uh, never looked back. Um, so playing a lot of Euro games. Those are okay. <laughs> yeah, and then just since uh, Keyforge came out that November, whenever it was last year, been playing that <laughs> pretty consistently, and then kind of board games on the side. Nice. So do you have a, a good local meta that you get to go chain bound it up, hang some chains on those decks that you're opening? Yeah, it's pretty good. There were 11 of us from, I'm from New York City, um, so there were 11 of us that went up to Albany, uh, I think four of us made day two. Uh, nice. We have a pretty good core of people that have been to a few Voltors and done pretty well. Uh, it's a pretty strong local meta, uh, so it's a lot of fun. Lots of good guys. Excellent. So how did you and your group then prep for VT Albany? Uh, just smashing lots of games. I feel like I had 
my idea of my three decks that I was going to use, maybe before other people, they were still trying to figure out, should I bring this one or that one? I had a pretty good idea of what my best three decks were, even though I didn't think one of them was really good enough. Uh, but, <laughs> the uh, beauty of survival. Yeah, exactly. Well, I ran that one first and I got smashed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to know you were you felt correctly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I sort of got smashed regardless of how powerful the deck was. It was a uh, triple Battlefleet key abduction deck <laughs> that I don't think Ooh. any of my decks were going to win against. So I'm glad I uh, used that as a sacrifice round one. It was the tribute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, were there any certain cards you were looking to have in your decks, or did you just pretty much you knew your three best decks, and regardless of what cards were in them? A little bit of both. I mean, I guess the reason I knew there were my three best decks is because I had an idea of what I was trying to bring. I think Worlds Collide shook it up a lot, and that now it's mandatory that you have some way to deal with the board because um, you'll just lose to dinosaurs you know you can get yep steamrolled by dinosaurs and it can be very very oppressive even with just three of them on the board like it's you know and i feel like in coda you could get blown out of the game by a massive creature board whereas in worlds collide you can just have a couple dinosaurs and then you lose in two turns they have three to four saurians yeah. and they just call saurian five turns in a row and you're like how did i lose this yeah if they like stick a philosophosaurus or whatever they're just done uh that's bad news yep no, agreed. In the Star Alliance lock, you can lock yourself into Star Alliance with Kirby's and Tabers, and they're yeah. just playing all the cards out of their hand anyways while calling yeah. Star Alliance every or single like time. Or Spears. That oh, yes. Yeah. Love that card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so just trying to find decks that like could do their thing and have some kind of win condition while also being able to deal with the inevitable uh, Saurian board. That's definitely one thing my first deck didn't do. My first deck was... Uh, the first deck I actually ever opened, it was a Coda creature deck with like 26 creatures, uh, pretty powerful, Brobnar guys, triple big twig, which was a lot of fun, and then just like a really good uh, Shadows package, but like Coda creature decks just don't hold a candle to, <laughs> to, to uh, Worlds Collide creature decks because everything in Worlds Collide no is way. a fight reef, whereas it, it takes like several turns to set up a Coda creature deck, which is just too slow now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. When you were, uh, I, I was interested to know, this wasn't in our, our original list of questions, but I do want to know, when you were testing, did you do most of your testing in person? Did you do it on TCO, some combination of the two? Definitely both. You know, TCO is good for just churning out games. Um, you know, if you really want to get some high level competitive practice, you need to have some people that are doing the same thing as you that you play against regularly. TCO is good at just like getting the reps in and you know, knowing what cards go together in your deck and being familiar and memorizing stuff. Also, getting good at reading deck lists is super important. I think TCO is really good at that if you hold yourself to not looking at it during the game. Yeah, I think the, the in-person prep with your teammates is super valuable because you can take it really seriously and also you can talk during the game. You can give each other advice. Definitely. Yeah, no, yeah. And I will say our, yeah. our Sanctimonious Discord actually has a pretty good, we've had some pretty good testing via TCO and some uh, voice channels that we have. So if that's something, if you're in a remote area and planning on going to a big event, definitely hop in the Sanctimonious Discord. I know I've helped several people. I've, I feel like I've vaulted several people into day two, Alex included, by just allowing him to smash me over and over again with his good decks and Blake from Help from Future Self, day two Vegas. For sure. And that was, we spent a lot of time playtesting his lineup. And yeah, it's super useful. I also had a couple of games that reminds me of, I was playing Dale, my, my AOA deck, 
And, you know, everyone in my friends group knows that deck at this point. <laughs> um, and it's a really weird deck to play against. It doesn't do normal stuff. And so I've had a couple games where there's just a couple of us hanging out and I'm playing Dale and then I'm playing against one person and then it'll be two or three people all like working together to figure out the win condition, how they beat me. And so that's like kind of a fun game to play. And also it helps me <laughs> realize how people are going to try to beat me. So there's a lot of interesting practice with that deck in particular. If you can beat three people, beating one person's a breeze. Seems easy in comparison. So we've we've heard now that you had a coded deck in your lineup, creature coded deck. You have Dale, the AOA deck, and we'll talk about that one a little bit later. What was the third deck that you had in your lineup? Third deck was another coda deck that I actually came into by accident. There, there was a auction on decks of Keyforge that I thought was like kind of underpriced for how good the deck was, so I just threw threw a bid on it and then entirely forgot about it until I got an email saying, "Congrats, you won this auction." I was like, "Oh, I didn't." really want it that much but uh, <laughs> uh ended up being really really good uh it's got a really solid disc package with Rustin guntis ember and arise stuff like that um an insane shadows package tons of steel and then i would say kind of a below average brabnar except for the fact that it has blood of titans which happens to be very good on Rustin guntis and ember <laughs> i love it oh yeah so yeah two brabnar decks Two yeah. Brabner houses in the lineup. Look at you. Double Brabner Sanctum. <laughs> Double Brabner Sanctum with an AOA deck. <laughs> don't don't show me the odds. Oh yeah. No <laughs> no worse side. I like it. I like it a lot. Alright, so you had Kota Kota AOA. So you already you already said that you had your weakest deck, your perceived weakest deck, the Kota creature deck in the first slot. Mm-hmm. And that got wrecked. Yeah, smashed. <laughs> what was your lineup after that? Did you have the other coded deck and then the AOA? Yeah, I ran. So yeah, I went. I lost the first game very decisively. I was pretty bummed out. Uh, but luckily, I, I guess I was able to keep my head in the game. And the uh, that other coded deck with the Shadows Disc package carried me four games in a row until I lost the last game, which just denied me the, the chance to choose it. For day two, I was still locked in at that point. Right. So that <laughs> answers one of our future questions. So uh, so day one went well, other than the first game. So you ended four and two on your third deck. Mm-hmm. Any standout plays or matches? Any Blood of Titans restring Guntuses? Yeah, well, that, that was definitely one of them. I feel like almost every game day one had some kind of crazy thing go on. The first game, I got blown out by the Key Abduction. Triple Key, what was it? Triple Battlefleet Key Abduction Nep Seed. Uh, <laughs> just like double shaffle so you have to like deal with his stuff while like preparing to get blown out by the combo i don't remember the order of games but there was one where i was playing against a deck i had gotten blown out by or not blown out by but lost to at gen con i think or packs unplugged which i just got rigged like turn three and it was downhill from there he was playing uh well, those aoa sanctum cards that gain you a bunch of amber depending on how many houses are in play free markets yeah free markets and the unifier so he got like 20 amber from a total of four cards it was pretty brutal <laughs> but this, so this one felt good so i got my revenge with the restaurant guntis blood of titans lockout concede uh so nice. that was good i had another one where my opponent just played pit lord on me and then i went shadows and dropped three elusive creatures and he conceded two turns later <laughs> Oh, no. uh, so I didn't really have a the lot. Pit to do. Lord. <laughs> yeah, the Pit Lord. Live by the Pit Lord. 
die by the pit lord. Self-restrained gun test. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that was pretty brutal. You know, I did like a little thing where I killed off one of my own guys to make sure he couldn't kill his guy, but I, I didn't have a lot to do with that win. That's a big brain play, though, playing out the elusive creatures and not giving him a target. I'm giving you some credit for that one. He had double three fates. So as soon as he played Pillar, just like, oh, crap, here comes the three fates. But he didn't play it and luckily didn't draw into it. And then he took a couple turns to, like, you know, redo something. And then after he realized that was not playing any more creatures, he did. <laughs> <laughs> saw that you weren't going to make a yeah. mistake and help him out. Yeah, yeah. no, thank you. Yeah, I also had, like, Nexus on board. He had a bauble, so I was using an extra guy every turn. It was not good for him. Oh man, this is is the kind of stuff we like to hear. Big brain plays. It was a lot of fun. Nice. So day two, you're locked into Dale. So you didn't actually get to play Dale on day one, then? I did not. Okay. Let's cover Dale really quick. Tell us, tell us the highlights of Dale here. We're we're very impressed by this deck. It is not very appreciated by SAS with a nice sixty nine SAS rating. Uh, it has an eight and a half amber control, twenty one expected amber, one and a half artifact control, nine and a half creature control, and five speeds. So kind of low on a lot of those, but a three point two disruption, which is actually pretty high. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. And the sixteen pips are pretty good. You know, and we all have a ton of decks, and sometimes we just look them over. And poss- there are possible gems in all of our collections. But this was opened on the uh, opening night sealed event for our AOA tournament, so I was forced to play it. Luckily for me. Uh, I probably would have looked at it anyway because it's got Sting Cho to double and tame the best, so it's pretty spicy. But I played it out. I went 4-0 and just kind of kept playing and playing and playing and and realized it's actually like not just a meme. It's actually definitely it's, <laughs> uh, it's got some memes in there, but it's it's also just very good. And certain decks, I think, just don't have a win condition against me unless I draw poorly. It's just good. <laughs> and also just a lot of fun. You got Sanctum Shadows Untamed. Yeah. Um, Sanctum House, I think the standouts is you've got the Gorm of Ohms, so you've got some artifact control there. You've got double Abad, which is really nice. Gatekeeper, so you got really good amber control existing in the Sanctum lineup for Shadows. We have a nice Miasma, a Nerve Blast. That's kind of it for Amber Control there, huh? Yeah, not a ton of amber control. It's got a lot of capture and stall. Yeah. But not a ton. Triple whistling darts. Yeah. Goodbye wards. I would imagine with the what the untamed is wanting to do, the the shadows actually plays a pretty important role. Would you say that with like stalling? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's got a lot of tools to just deal with wards. Sucker punch is insane against uh, certain decks that have a lot of small power guys. Yep. Uh, perplexing sophist tree is really nice to discard a card. Markins is awesome. <laughs> Markins is a great card. Merkins wins games. Any any good Merkins hits on day two that make Jake feel really bad because Merkins is like Jake's nemesis? Nothing insane. I did stick a Dusk Witch and then play Merkins to get my opponent's Umbra, which was just like a little extra <laughs> efficiency. You know, it felt good. But I think he was at one Amber and I was going to steal it anyway, so it was just a Reef. It wasn't like super spicy. I did have one at a different Vault Tour that essentially won me the game. Like I needed an out and it had to come from his deck and I got it and it was that was good. <laughs> nice. In my uh when I played sealed at Gen Con and I, I got to the top sixteen, my uh top thirty two game, I Merkins turn one into a Knuckles Bolton, and then I stuck a little niff between them and proceeded to steal like something like ten or twelve amber 
with just Knuckles Bolton just fighting over and over again. I called Shadows like five or six turns in a row. <laughs> but that was like the Merkins. The Merkins, Kn- Knuckles Bolton. It feels so good. Especially in a meta where people are running Addy, it's really good too. Alright, so I guess the other standout card in Shadows for this deck is really the Sting. Yeah. It feels like that's a card that you're pretty much always sticking in this deck. Yeah, at least attempting to. That That's pretty much the core of the deck. Like, Almost everything in all the houses kind of works towards that goal. There are some games where Sting never comes up or I don't really use it or I just play for the Amber and Sack it immediately because it does have a lot of pips and it's got a lot of really good cards in it, but all those cards also work towards the Sting Chota goal. Yeah, because I mean, you've got double Nature's Call and a World Tree, double Song of Spring. So I mean, that Chota just keeps landing back in your deck. And the regrowth, yeah. Right, yeah. So you've got so many ways to get back that Chota and play it after you've, you know, acquired the other person's Amber for forging. Yeah, it's really good. Plus you've got Gorm, Gorm of Ohm as well, which I believe is an, it's, isn't an Omni ability. It is, so I can kill it off house. Still very nice. Yeah, the Untamed is actually, it's very creature light, but the creatures you have are actually really good. You've got Chota, Duskwitch, Flaxia, Pampanka, Anga, which is the one. plus two power. <laughs> that is the good Anga. <laughs> and Tantalantalantalantadin. Yeah, so just a nice body that can stick to the board and take mm-hmm. care of archives. That guy's gotten a lot better in the Worlds Collide meta with. Completely agree with you. Yeah, archiving is a much bigger thing. Like, it just happens more often, and Tantalantadin is actually like <laughs> something that lands, and you're like, crap. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to kill. Yeah, it's super hard to kill. Nine, nine power is a lot of power to get through. I mean, it's only dealing two when fighting, but that's throwing probably three creatures into it just to get rid of it if you don't have a removal spell of some sort. Yep, absolutely. Removal action. Sorry, my MTG days <laughs> coming through still. But yeah, so I mean, that that looks like the idea though, right? Sting, make a bunch of pips, Chota. Yeah, I mean, it depends. This this is definitely one of my harder decks to play, and I've I, I've just had played it a lot, and so you, you kind of learn it and learn it. But there are a lot of cards that are problematic for me. Um, you know, like uh, Mass Amber removal, too much to protect. Hawk is annoying. <laughs> so you can't you can't just like say I'm gonna get the sting down and play Chota. Like yes, some decks you can do that against and and yeah. the uh, the two minutes you get to look at your opponent's Archon card are hugely important for this deck. Like I will lose or win games because I've done a good or a bad job at looking at my opponent's deck list and remembering things. Also looking for like little zaps or whatever if I need to look for a turn one dust switch or not uh, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it's, ideally the game plan is Sting and then Recur Chota over and over again. But the rest of the deck is just really good also. It's got a ton of threats in Duskwitch, Double Untamed Ambassador, and then a ton of ways to protect those guys with the Pampaka. We have Lamindra, we have Lion, uh, Rothace, and then you're just doing a lot of, you know, little bits of removal with Whistling Dark's Nature's Cult Persistence Hunting. Uh, Golden Aura is really good take hostages is uh, some more amber removal. Yeah. And then it's just got a ton of cross-house shenanigans it can do. Obviously with the Untamed Ambassador, you can do crazy stuff like Nature's Call in Sanctum, which is really good. You can show that in Sanctum. <laughs> um, that one of the great plays is if you have Duskwitch on the board, you can reap with Untamed Ambassador, play Nature's Call, pop your own Sanctum guys back to hand, including your Untamed Ambassador, play them back to the board, reap with them all again, <laughs> use another Untamed card. It, it just does. Yes. You, like, you look at the deck list and people don't, most people don't 
appreciate it on looking at it, which I don't think I did either, just because I played it enough times. You know, they see Sting Chota, okay, I get what you're doing, but the Sanctum is, is yeah. quite scary. It, and pretty regularly, I can play, all, I can use all three houses in one turn. It doesn't seem bad. And Worlds Collide doesn't have that much um, ping damage, to no. be honest. It has a lot, it has a fair amount of removal, so like Dusk Witches, Untamed Ambassadors can actually be really problematic yep. for Worlds Collide to deal with. For sure. Especially if I get them behind a taunt or behind a pimpack or a lion or whatever. Oh, yeah. And if they have to, like, Axiom or something to kill your Dusk Witch, that's just a win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll take that any day. So you're, you know, you finish up day one with your Kota deck. Mm-hmm. You're doing really well. You basically have gone, uh, what is that, like, 5-0 with the Kota deck? 4-1, uh, yeah. Did you have any hesitation about choosing Dale for day two? Or did you, what was that decision like? Um, well, I did lose my last game with the Kota deck, so I was not I, I was not given a choice. But definitely definitely before that last game, I was kind of stressing about it. I was like, going into the Vault Tour, I was like, for sure, I'm playing Dale. Day two, no questions about it. You know, it's by far my best deck. But then I was 4-0 with this Coda deck. I was like, I don't know. Can I really, if I, if I go 5-0, am I really going to put this one down? Yeah. I guess luckily I lost with it, but yeah. I didn't have to think. The about decision it. was kind of made for you. Uh, actually kind of simplif- simplifies things yeah. a lot. I, I think I would have went for it. I feel like if I had gone to day two with the Coda deck and lost, I would have felt really bad about myself. Uh, whereas if I went with uh, Dale, I don't think I would have regretted. I don't think I would have regretted it. Yeah, you take a it took a high high risk high reward strategy. I find I I, I really like taking a um a deck that's hard to read and yeah. a deck that is not something that people are used to playing to in today sure. too. That's that's a that's a I think that's a really smart call for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I find people regularly misplay against this deck. One of my wins actually from day two, it was not looking great for me. I had Sting out and I had most of my tools left in the deck, but the board state was wildly out of control. It was a, a Saurian, you know, he was just doing crazy worlds collide stuff. Um, he had captured a ton yeah. of my amber. I had stuck a Dusk Witch on the board behind a taunt, but I knew he had Collar of Subordination uh, in his deck. But I was like, you know, if I don't play this, I'm not winning. So I played it, got a couple reaps out of it, but then he collared it. And then tried to do some shenanigans where he played his Harbinger of Doom, which came in ready and then fought into my guy to kill it, to wipe the entire board, to give me all of my amber back. No, 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 no. Why? To set up, because he wanted to set up his interdimensional graft. Oh. But I think he just wasn't used to playing against the sting and didn't realize I was never getting rid of the sting. And so next turn, I just double choded and then I was way ahead and then I eventually won. Um, and so I just have tons of games where people just don't do the right thing. They, they don't prioritize killing the ambassador. They just play, they try to do really weird stuff against me and it doesn't work. Sting is super funny for that. I've had a, yeah. somebody tried to break me once when I had the sting out. Oh, thanks. <laughs> they came, they came over to my train and they didn't forge a key and they yeah. just like, yeah. oh, yeah. concede, gone. <laughs> Awesome. Are there any other? So day two. So you, how, uh, how many people? How, I don't remember. How many people made day two there. Just maybe in like the fifty to seventy range, something in there. I'm not. I'm not positive. Right. So you won quite a few games on day two then. Yeah, it was less than sixty because it was top sixty four with a bunch of buys. So sixty four, thirty two, sixteen, eight, and four. Yeah, and four was the best of three, which went all the way to game three. Nice. 
any other standouts on day two other than somebody forgetting graph doesn't hit while stings out? <laughs> I had some, I think I had like one or two just kind of straight up wins. Uh, two of the games though came down to a Choda right before I was about to lose. That felt really good. The first one I like Choded for the win right before my opponent was going to do his own Choda play. Oh, no. And uh, another one was Chota for the win the turn before my opponent was going to data forge. So <laughs> sniping out two wins before my opponent was able to do the same to me. Those those feel really good. Yeah, key cheats are so good. They're really, really yeah. good for that. When you can win on your own terms rather than waiting for that forge a key step. Mm-hmm. I've always, I've been of the opinion for a long time. And this was true. I mean, speak, you know, this is funny. You guys talked about Hearthstone at the beginning, but in Hearthstone, it's always strong the strongest plays you can make are always ones your opponent can't respond to. And I really think that the same is true of Keyforge. Like, just doing things that can't be... Like, cards that can't... Don't have a fault... Like, don't your opponent doesn't get an opportunity to do anything about it. Yeah. But you're just like, I do the thing and it's done, are so much better. Um, and that's why that's why those kind of strategies, key cheats in particular, are so powerful in... Uh, in Keyforge, because it takes a, it takes away what is part of the best part of Keyforge, but not the part you want to do in competitive play, which is the back and forthness. It's like when we're playing casual, I'm like, okay, let's have a good back and forth. But when you're trying to be competitive, you just do the thing that wins yeah. you the game, yeah. no, especially with your deck with the double nature's call, like those Dino Pinatas, those tributes. So good. It's just like, sure, yeah, please, please tribute. I bounce your dude. I play my Choda. I nature's call again. I bounce your other dude wearing a bunch of amber. <laughs> I play Choda again. <laughs> yeah, Nature's Call has just always been one of the best cards, and it got even better in this set. It's so insane, especially with the triple whistling darts to pop wards every time. So yeah, so game. So what, what was your downfall? What deck? What kind of deck did you go up against in the final four that finally knocked you out? Uh, I lost to the deck that ended up winning the Vault Tour. So I guess that uh, that feels okay. Sure. I took game one. <laughs> it was funny going into it, going into it, because the top four was the first best of three round. I uh, I was talking to my friends and I told them, you know, my my deck is the type of deck that wants to play best of ones. I do not want to go into a best <laughs> of three. They'll, they'll learn it and they'll figure it out and they'll play better. And I won the first game and then I lost the next two. So that, uh, that was kind of lame. Uh, I won game one, he won game two, and then I just got blown out by a a no mulligan library access turn and that, so that just wasn't fun <laughs> wait what do you mean by no mulligan he just kept like a he kept a library access wild wormhole phase shift control the weak hand and it's just kind of over from there Dang. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no that sounds like it powerful start <laughs> yeah. draw half my I deck on the first yeah. first turn and force you to go into a house that you probably don't want to play yep <laughs> pretty much let me guess he called Untamed. Yeah, he called shadows because I he did turn one to Liga and then I turned two like did some dinky shadows play and then he turned three did that. That's funny because like um so at in Gen Con Archon I played um that deck I'm blanking on its name right now uh, Galaxy, Galaxy yeah Tycho I think that my my Gen Con deck actually beat it pretty handily it like wasn't that close he drew pretty bad to be honest mm-hmm. in our game. It was that, and it was a different pilot. It was Nathan Westlake, who I think owns the the deck, um, and he just had he had, he he had a real rough, rough draw, and I had a real good draw. But I was thinking about um, the deck you're playing, and I was like, man, uh, my deck that I was playing, Senbra. I was like, it probably would have a hard time with it because it doesn't have artifact control, and key cheats are really tend to be pretty good strong against it so i was like it's just interesting how 
to me how decks can match up yeah. against each other in different ways, even though they're all powerful. Um, For sure. Matchups are super important. I, I actually think Galaxy is obviously a good deck, you know, it went all the way. I think it was also pretty well tuned to beat me. Uh, I think he has like a Poltergeist. He had double EP and Graft, which are all very scary against me. Yeah, because you, you like, do you like to go up to like big amber totals with that deck? Yeah. If I, I mean, if I can sit on Sting and go to 21 and forge three keys in one turn, that's the ideal game. <laughs> really? <laughs> that's the ideal, huh? <laughs> that's the ideal. I mean, that, that doesn't happen super often, obviously, but if I can like, you know, stick Gorm and Sting and then, cause a lot of the, a lot of the time, you know, I can, I'll have Choda in my hand and like a nature's call in the deck. And I know if I play Choda and just forge one key, I'm not going to really have the, the drive to finish the game out. And I just have to sit on Sting and reap and play Amber cards until I can get the two and one. Like there, there are a lot of situations where I can't do one and then one. I have to do two in one turn. Um, and so doing that against EP is. It's just not a game plan. Yeah, you're one of those annoying players that brings the Chota back to your hand so the opponent can't get rid of it, can't purge it, can't get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I tried. Protect that thing and just, it's that, oh man, it's that feeling of, well, if I can't keep him under seven amber, I just lose. I mean, pretty much if I draw my deck, I win because then I can just do my game plan. And one of the things that really hurt me against Galaxy was he drew... He kept drawing the nature's calls back to back, so I'd play my guys, he'd nature's call them, I'd play my guys, and he'd nature's call them. And uh, so I just wasn't drawing <laughs> through my deck to do the thing I yeah. needed to do. Nature's call hurt, can hurt combo decks so much. Yeah, it's really brutal. It, again, what you said, nature's call is, has been a powerful card, it is extremely, still extremely oh, powerful for good better. reason. It's just so, ver- it's so versatile. It's crazy. You know, you, it's offensive, it's defensive, um, like, there's just so many things you can do with it. Um, man, it, good card. Yeah, I mean, you compare it to similar cards like Fear, it's like, what is going on here? Yeah, <laughs> why does Fear exist? Why is Fear so much worse? Yeah, it gets around upgrades, it does. It gives zero poops about scudums. Says, mm-hmm. yep. That's a huge thing. Yeah, no, you think you're safe sitting on 10 amber on that creature with your scudum on it? Nature's call. See ya. What's next for you in Keyforge? Any any events you're planning on going to? You going to Worlds? Yeah, almost certainly going to Worlds. Uh, got that leaderboard spot unless something insane happens. <laughs> I don't actually think that's possible. And, you know, we'll see uh, about Vault Warriors. Uh, just going to continue doing Chain Bounds, keep playing with friends. Um, yeah, if any uh, Vault Tours show up that aren't halfway around the country, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go to those as well. Very nice. So any final thoughts on survival? Anything you would have done different with your lineup or with the decks you chose? I don't think so. I I mean, I could debate whether or not I bring a different deck instead of my uh, first deck, but that's like the first deck I ever opened. It's pretty good. I, I definitely could have stolen some wins from some non-Worlds Collide decks <laughs> if I'd gotten matched up correctly. Well, uh, uh, I guess yeah. you got wrecked by a Coda deck though, right? Triple Battlefleet Key Abduction? Yeah, I got wrecked by a combo deck, yeah. but you know, if I, it's if I can like stick triple big twig, I kind of just win the game. And then it's got like double hunting witch, and it's got crazy shadows and a bunch of big robnark guys, nice. so it can do stuff. But I, I could de- <clears throat> I could debate switching that out. Sure. I've opened a couple of good decks since then as well. Dale all the way. That's my number <laughs> one deck. It's, it's, I think it's my best deck, honestly. It's just really good, and it's also the most fun to play. Uh, I feel like Coda in hindsight is kind of boring. Like it was a good tool to learn the game, right? But uh, it doesn't really do that much interesting stuff. Um, yeah, it's and this deck's just really fun. It really doesn't. It, it Coda is sort of just like, 
you just do stupid efficient things yeah. and that's either enough or it's not, or it's, not. <laughs> yeah. it's not super interesting or complicated no setups there's no payoff like there's not as many payoffs yeah definitely for sure yeah and dale is like the king of the setups yeah it's super fun you know like some my, one of my favorite turns is ghost shadows sacrifice sigil reap with untamed and master play untamed and you're just playing all three houses in one turn so even if you're like on a turn where you know you have to nature's call you could call any house to do it and so it's just like <laughs> a lot of thinking that goes into it it's a lot of fun yeah so he's talking about sigil of brotherhood just for those that aren't privy to yeah. the sanctum lineup so it's an omni sacrifice sigil of brotherhood for the remainder of the turn you may use friendly sanctum creatures so that's how he plays his three house turns by going shadows um yeah sacking it to use sanctum dudes have an untamed ambassador out which allows you to play untamed cards so yeah you've effectively used all three houses in a turn yeah it's pretty wild that is pretty sweet all right alex any final thoughts from you on survival and or dale no not really i want to play survival survival is the one format i have never i've never well i've played like side events but i don't that kind of doesn't count um on survival is not actual survival yeah yeah <laughs> it's just like it's just like swiss it's just swiss where you get a deck knocked out um but uh i would like to i this does make me really want to play survival i'll say that i think it's a really interesting format and i feel like there's different deci- like just from what i can see there's a lot there's a different decision making that goes into choosing your deck mm-hmm. even from triad which is funny because there's they you know you both pick you pick three decks for both triad and survival but i feel like the differences in what type of deck you want to bring and kind of how you pick that lineup is is just really it's just really interesting and it just makes uh it just makes me really excited to give that a shot sometime i will say one thing that was pretty weird about this format at a vault tour was day two was mostly filled with decks that had not played any games it's not like you know in in regular archon events it's like okay, you're here at day two, you know, you're playing this deck that has gotten there, it's went 5-1, it's went 6-0, but day two, everyone's like 0-0 with their deck, which is just very strange. This is kind yeah. of a different thing, you can't really review any uh, any streams from the day before to get any insight. <laughs> yeah, and and you're like not sure if they're actually good decks all the time because it's not like they won to get there so it's it's a weird exactly they they may have ordered their decks wrong or make made the wrong decision and then suddenly they've been winning the whole time and they start losing on day two and then not that it matters but now you have some power level five deck that has one zero games (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) well thank you noah for coming on we really enjoyed talking to you yes thank you yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed talking about this deck. <laughs> you enjoyed hearing about it. Like this deck looks amazing. It looks, I mean, it looks again, like I just got off an adaptive prime and this looks like a great adaptive deck. Like it's great adaptive deck. We were, we ran adaptive league in our uh, local scene and I went 15 and one with it. I think. <laughs> yeah. It's just, if you haven't played it a bunch, the decision, the decision tree you have to yeah. have in order to operate it correctly is very complex yeah for somebody sitting down and seeing it played across from them once and then trying to pilot them themselves and then trying to bid on it how many times in those 15 games did you let the opponent have it for like a ridiculous amount of chains a couple times because it's strong enough that it wins game one and then it's difficult enough that my opponent loses with it game two a lot of the time sure so uh it didn't always go to game three but i definitely let him have it a few times 
Yeah, because it, it seems like it would be kind of rough with chains on that one. There's not really any because yes. the speed's already pretty far down on it. Yeah, it can definitely get hold up with with uh, some chains. But at the same time, it's got the combo, and you can win against any deck in any situation if the cards line up. Definitely. Thank you again for coming on. I think that'll wrap it up for this week. So Noah, if people want to check you out online, are you on any social medias anywhere that people can find you? Uh, not <laughs> not really. I'm on all the uh, Facebook groups, a um, couple discords or whatever. So no, <laughs> fair. Uh, but you see me on the Facebook groups, Noah Salloway. I got a little black and white logo. Nice, living that anonymous life. Yeah. Well, shout out to the uh, New York City group. Couldn't have made it this far without those guys. It's been a lot of fun playing with them too. Community team. Oh yeah. Alex, where can people find you? What's that juicy number after your name? Yeah, you can find me on Discord. I am the Nick of Slots hashtag six four one eight, or you can drop me an email. Uh, at uh, the nick of slots at gmail.com. You can also check out my blog, which is Proclamation 346E. Yes. So I'm Dan is someone, D A N I S S O M E 1 on Twitter, Twitch. The Twitch has been very vacant. Sorry. Uh, infant life. <laughs> but uh, yeah, check us out on the Discord. I'm also Dan is someone on there and the Sanctimonious Discord. Great community. Um, sorry, Jake. I added another channel today. <laughs> so now we have a TO's corner if you're a tournament organizer and you want to speak with other tournament organizers from around the world we now have a channel for that I think right now they've already been sharing different calendars that they've created Google calendars to kind of organize their local metas so that way there's just you know best practices being handed around so we can continue to grow the game of Keyforge so good stuff happening in the Discord um, testing for different big events I think we're still doing sealed sealed three pick one there we go Words are hard. Shield 3 pick one practice every day. I think people are posting three deck lists, three worlds collide deck lists, as that's a format for some of the upcoming sealed vault tours. And different people are giving their takes on which deck of the three they would pick. Really good practice for evaluating deck lists blind. Um, the way they're populating them, we don't see any of the stats. So it's just like you're handed three index cards and you have to choose the deck that you would play for that event. So just a couple of the things going on around the court. And thank you to all the Discordians, the Sanctimonians, the Inner Sanctimites for making that place such a great place to hang out. Archons of the Crucible, AOA has re-emerged as a candidate to crush the dreams of Worlds Collide. Nature's Call is a card that destroys dinos. Beware dinos, AOA is coming for you. And remember, Archons, forge those keys. Okay, shtick time. Grab another drink of coffee. Oh, I've got no coffee. We're doing this raw.